Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you here today. It's good to be here and to share this time with you this morning, and we welcome everyone. And uh, we welcome everyone, especially our guests today, and we're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God this morning. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone of the attendance sheets we have. Uh, if you wouldn't mind taking those, they're on the end of each row. You wouldn't take, mind taking those and filling those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. We would certainly appreciate that this morning. We have a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, um, if you haven't noticed, it's springtime. And with springtime comes uh, certain uh, blessings, but also certain responsibilities. Uh, and among those responsibilities are we're going to be having to start mowing the grass again. <laughs> I saw Roger out there this past week mowing, so thank you, Roger. Uh, but we're going to be having to do that on a regular basis now. So we're looking for, uh, for mowing crews. And if you would like to uh, join our mowing crews uh, uh, to mow the grass from time to time, please see Sybil or Roger or, or somebody on the trustees team, and we'll get you signed up for that. Uh, also, uh, you'll notice in your bulletin we have... we. Uh, Coming out ahead in June, we're going to be doing our extreme build again this year on June the 11th through the 17th. This is an amazing ministry that we have. We'll be uh, leaving here on that Sunday uh, after church and going to McCreary County, Kentucky. We'll meet about 100 volunteers from around Kentucky, and in one week's time, we'll build a house. Uh, we will, we'll get there, and the foundation will be laid, and we'll start building on Monday morning. And on Saturday afternoon, we're handing the keys to the new owners and moving them in, even landscaped. It's, a, it's amazing to see this happen. If you want to be a part of that, I encourage you to. It's, a, it's a, great, a great ministry. And you can go for the whole week. You can go for a day or two or three days, however long you can. But there's a sign-up sheet on the table. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, please sign up and indicate the days that you will, uh, you will be a part of that. We would appreciate that. Christine, I think you have an announcement about uh, some uh, some new uh, Sunday school classes, new Bible study classes that we're. The deacons met a couple of weeks ago, and we realized that one of the areas that we've really failed in lately is we don't have currently a small group for our 20 and 30 something year olds. And kind of what happened, I, I joined the church 20 about 23 years ago, and at that time I was one of those late 20, early 30-something, and we have aged, and we just stayed in the same class, and we just thought we were the 30-something-year-old class. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And uh, so anyway, that's the area of our church that's really been growing. We've really been growing with our children's ministry, so we know that there's a real need for that. So starting April the 9th, Mary Rye has graciously agreed to be the leader for that class. 
Christine. Uh, just one other thing. Uh, yesterday, uh, many of us, many of you who are here today uh, had the opportunity to participate in a, a good program that we were hosting here at Community Baptist Church, which was the Matthew 25 Runway Red Lunch and, and Fashion Show. It was a great time. We had a wonderful time here. This place was filled with tables and and lots of good meals. But you may have noticed when you came in today that you had an easier time getting a parking space. That's because uh, there was one less parking space filled <laughs> than normally is filled. Uh, if you haven't seen it, um, we had a little fire yesterday. It, it was a hot time at Runway Red. Uh, yeah, you, you see what's going on out there? Our van was making uh, shuttles back and forth between Aqua City Swim Club. We were shuttling people up to the Runway Red uh, uh, fashion show here, and it caught on fire. And it is gone, folks. It is gone. So, uh, you know, I, I equipped with someone that it was that um, hellfire and damnation preaching that was coming on, but... Uh, but uh, I guess we'll be dealing with that in the upcoming days. So, um, We are grateful that you are here today. Let me invite you now. Let us stand and uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Our singing this morning may be a little different and tricky, and we may jump from one song to another, so you've got to keep your eyes open <laughs> and make sure that your ears are listening to what's going on. But let's stand as we begin with sunlight. Or not sunlight, but... Um, So many who have gone before us, we wander along, not really sure of the direction of our lives and our faith. And then you come into our midst and you open our eyes to the spiritual truths that, that are all around us. Thank you, O oh God, for taking away our spiritual blindness. We thank you for putting us in touch with Christ so that we can know your will. 
We thank you for the way you stretch our small, limited world into something which, something with so much more possibility and hope. As springtime begins to burst forth out of the grip of winter, we pray that our lives may respond to your presence in such a way that we too may burst forth into something beautiful and meaningful. As we seek your help, O God, in our individual needs, we pray also for others, for those who are upset or perplexed, for those who have failed and need help, for those who have succeeded and need a dose of humility, for those who are sick and discouraged and depressed and grieving. Come to them all, O God. We pray for our nation. We have never been more divided and we have never been more blind to your ways. We whitewash political rhetoric and call it yours. And we dare someone to challenge us with something else. We pray for a spirit of unity. Not unity of mind, but unity of spirit. We pray for the possibilities of peace and hope throughout our nation and all across the world. Help us, Lord, to seek to love one another and to to live with one another instead of fighting one another. Encourage us to know that, that justice and mercy and love, these are the things at the heart of your universe. And enable us, O God, to connect with those forces so that your will may truly be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.
Hello. There it is. Okay. I need a couple of volunteers. Okay. Sister, come up here. Now, we're going we're gonna to do an experiment here. And we're going to turn around for me. We're going to blindfold you with my favorite scarf here. And I'm trying real hard not to pull your hair. So scream if I do. All right. Can you see? Can you breathe? Okay. All right. Now, I need another volunteer. All right, sister, come here. You're going to, you're going to turn around, and you're going to turn around, and you're going to lead her to the other side of that communion table. Okay? Oh, but wait. Okay. Okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. Can you see? No. Can you breathe? Okay. All right. That's a darn good question. How are you supposed to lead her? Well, that would be silly, wouldn't it? Okay, one more. I need one more. Okay, you come here. You stand in front of her. Um, but you can only use these. Okay? Okay. You, your, your hand is here. Your hand is here. You can only use these. Okay? Ready? Set. Go. Okay. Not bad. All right, now turn around, come back. Oh, that, that. Turn around, come back. Oh, you've left one behind. You've left one behind. There we go. That's hard to do, isn't it? All right. Let me have, okay. Let me have my scarf back. Thank you. That's kind of hard to do when you can't see where you're going. Especially with these binoculars. I mean, they cost me probably eight bucks. I don't know. Um, today's scripture passage that we're going to read here in a minute, but I think you guys are going to be upstairs by then, is about a man that was born blind and that came across Jesus. And he asked Jesus, if you would, would you heal me? Well, that's kind of a silly question. Of course, Jesus will heal him. And so Jesus said, okay, um, he put mud on his eyes and he washed that off and the, and the man could see. Well, now the Pharisees, now the Pharisees are the, the preachers and the teachers of the, of the time. The Pharisees got all cranked up about that. They got all cranked up that Jesus put mud on this man's eyes and healed him. You know why they got all cranked up about that? Because it was Sunday. You're not supposed to work on Sunday, said the Pharisees. The Pharisees is the Sunday is the Sabbath, and you are not supposed to work. And there are all kinds of rules, said the Pharisees, about what it means to work. And making mud is work, according to the Pharisees. And Jesus made mud to put on this man's eyes. And they got all cranked up about that. They got mad. They got mad. Because Jesus made mud on Sunday when you weren't supposed to work to heal this man's eyes. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking they missed the point. Don't you think so? They missed the point that all of a sudden 
Jordan, this man who was born blind can now see. So then the Pharisees got all cranked up about, well, what caused him to be blind? Was he born blind? He was born blind, so was it his parents' fault that he was born blind? Whose fault was it? Again, we're missing the point. The point is, the man can see now. But the Pharisees are all cranked up that Jesus worked and that they can't figure out why this man was blind to begin with. You know what? Sometimes we are just like the Pharisees. Sometimes we get all cranked up about stuff and we miss the point um, about what's going on. So I'm wondering, we adults do that. I mean, we adults do that a lot. I'm wondering if sometimes y'all might get lose your focus about things. Um, now, I don't know about y'all, but when I was in school, you know, back when we used tablets and abacus, <laughs> um, when I'd made an A in a class or on an exam, I'd be all darned excited about that. Um, I'd be excited because I got an A. I got an A. I got and somebody else in my class didn't get an A. Well, I got an A. <laughs> That's not the point. You know, my friend over here could be at a house that <clears throat> that that her, maybe her parents didn't get along and she didn't sleep well the night before. Maybe she got hungry and didn't have any breakfast that morning. And she didn't do well on that test. I got an A. Well, that... I'm missing the point here. The point is, it's not that I got an A. The point is, maybe I can help somebody who needs to need some help learning. You think? Mm -hmm. There may be some times when, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but when I eat lunch, I work at the hospital. When I eat lunch in the, in the dining room at the hospital, I sit with my friends. Do you sit with your friends when you eat? Well, sometimes there's a new employee that's sitting over there by themselves because they don't know anybody because they just started working. But I'm sitting over here with my friends because I like to sit with my friends. You know, sit and have lunch and talk. Am I missing the point? Yeah, I'm missing the point. Because there's a new employee that could be one of my friends if I would haul myself over there and talk to them. They could be one of my friends, and then we could all eat lunch together. You reckon? There may be times when um, when you're sitting and watching TV or playing games or checking your Facebook account. Sorry, adults, we do that. Um, and mom and dad, dad's outside mowing the yard and raking up the leaves and doing all that kind of stuff. And he's been at work all day or mom's out mowing the yard or fixing the car. And they just need a little bit of help. Um, but hey, I've been in school all day. I've been working all day. This is my time to sit and watch TV. Am I missing the point? Yeah, I'm missing the point. Um, because chances are mom and dad's worked all day too. And they're tired too. And with a little bit of help, they could be done earlier and we could all sit and watch TV. So sometimes... When we don't look around, when we are blind, and we're the blind leading the blind, you all have heard that phrase before,
sometimes when we don't look around and we pay attention to our own stuff, we miss the point. Just like those Pharisees were missing the point that a man got to see. Um, friends could be ours. We had a chance to help. Um, we can do kind of those kind of things if we just pay attention. Okay? Let's pray together. God, you know, there are some times when I just assume shut my eyes and not pay attention because that's easier on me. But God, that's not what you call me to do. You call me to be there, to help. You call me to walk with others on their journeys when their journeys get hard. You call me to be your follower whenever that, whenever you need me. God, take off my blindfold and help me see. Amen.
he saw a man blind from his birth from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinted sent this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man or his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with a saliva and spread it, the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Salyam which means sin. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man, but they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes open? He answered, The man who called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. The Pharisees also began to ask him how he received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This is the man is this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can the man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided, so they... So they said again unto the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes, it was, oh, sorry. What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened, he said. He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, And they said to him, 
give glory to God. We know this. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, I now see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they revealed him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sin, and you were trying to teach us, and they drove him out. Jesus heard they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see of the some of the parishes who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, we are, Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin, but now that you say, We see your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord.
Wow. And you get a sermon on top of all this. <laughs> thank you, Lou and Amy. How beautiful that was. And thank you, Lauren and Zoe. Zoe did a great job. Didn't she do a great job? And such a long passage of Scripture, too. I don't know who picked that out. but <laughs> There was a, a missionary named Roland Allen who told about an older missionary who introduced himself one day. The older man had been a medical missionary in, in India for, for many years, serving in an area where there had been an environmental condition that caused blindness in many of the people who lived there. People were born with healthy vision, but something caused them to lose their eyesight as they, as they grew older. <clears throat> well, as time went on, this missionary developed a treatment which stopped the progression of this blindness. And so people came to him for his treatment, and people were no longer going blind. Then the old missionary said that they never said thank you. Because that phrase was not in their dialect. Instead, they spoke a word that meant, I will tell your name. Wherever they went, they would tell the name of the person who had cured their blindness. They had received something so wonderful that they eagerly told other people about it. Well, our story today is about a man who was also healed of blindness. And he also eagerly told others what had happened to him. Jesus and his disciples came upon a man who had been born blind. And so the disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? Well, as awful as that kind of theology may seem, I can assure you that it was the accepted way of looking at things in those days. Physical defects were considered to be the direct result of somebody's sin. If it wasn't you, then it must have been your parents who sinned, who was at fault, if you have some kind of a disabling condition. But Jesus put that idea to rest. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, he said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud with it and put it on the man's eyes. And then Jesus told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And when he did, his vision was restored. Well, his neighbors were astounded by this. So they brought him to the Pharisees. But instead of being amazed, the Pharisees were offended because Jesus had healed this man on the Sabbath. This man is not of God, they said about Jesus, because he doesn't observe the the Sabbath. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. And then they tried to discredit what Jesus had done. At first they questioned whether the man really was blind or not. But when his parents testified that he was indeed born blind and now he can see, the Pharisees had a dilemma. You see, in their eyes, Jesus was a sinner because he didn't keep the Sabbath. And surely God would not honor the prayers of a sinner. And yet, Here was this man standing right in front of them who had received his sight. The man who had been healed. And he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was born blind. But now I see. Have you ever noticed that when people get on the defensive, they get kind of huffy? 
You notice that? Well, that's how these Pharisees got when they were confronted with this dilemma. Like a good lawyer, they began to impugn the testimony of of the witness. They accused him of of being one of Jesus' disciples and and just putting on an act. And this was all a show. And and when their attempts at at discrediting the man uh, were, were thwarted, the Pharisees responded the way most people do when they're losing an argument. They just tossed him out with an insult. Obviously, you, you were born in sin, they said, since you were born blind. How dare you lecture us? This man was God's object lesson for these Pharisees, but they could not see what was right in front of them. Well, Jesus heard about the man being tossed out by the Pharisees, and so he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man asked, Who is he? Tell me so that I can believe in him. And Jesus said, you're speaking to him. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Then Jesus spoke some interesting words. He said, I have come into this world so that the blind will see. And those who see will become blind. Well, some Pharisees were standing nearby and asked, are we blind too? And, of course, that was the point of the whole story. The Pharisees were just as blind in their own way as the blind man had been who Jesus had healed. You see, our story is not about physical blindness. It's not about healing of physical eyes, but it's about spiritual blindness. It's a a disease that afflicted many of the Pharisees in those days and afflicts many people these days as well. The Pharisees derived their name from the Hebrew word perushim, which means separated. And and I know it's easy for us to come down hard on the Pharisees. I, I mean, they're such an easy target. But we shouldn't do that, really, because they had good intentions. For the most part... They were brave, they were patriotic, they were determined to maintain their distinctiveness as Jews during a time when foreign invaders tried to compromise their faith by introducing new customs and new ways of worship. And so the Pharisees lived in strict adherence to the commandments of God and to the traditions of their faith in order to maintain their Jewish identity. And so their religion determined how they dressed, how they washed, how they ate, how they fasted, how they observed the Sabbath, as well as how to keep themselves pure from all kinds of defilement. But unfortunately, their all-out commitment to the law produced a kind of spiritual blindness. Myopia is how we would describe it today. Now, myopia is the technical term for nearsightedness. But in this case, and it's been used in in, in this way uh, in in recent years, it referred to the fact that they only saw what they already agreed with. They only, let that sink in a second, they only saw what they already agreed with. You ever known anybody like that? (laughs) They immersed themselves in the, 
the news channels and the internet sites that feed their own preconceived notions, and they're blind to everything else. They refuse to even consider the possibility that they might be wrong. And, and someone else might have a, bad, a valid position. I can think of a lot of Christians today who suffer from spiritual myopia. They think that they are living according to the will of God, and yet they are blind in so many ways to authentic discipleship. So let's consider some of the ways that these Pharisees were blind and see if any of this relates to us. Let's begin right here. The Pharisees lived by the letter of the law, but they were blind to the spirit of the law. And I think a good example of this was their attitude towards the Sabbath. The law said that they were to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. And that's why these Pharisees were so ticked off at Jesus. He had dared to heal this man on the Sabbath. But they were so afraid of working on the Sabbath that they went to extraordinary lengths not to do anything. Did you know that if a person fractured a bone on the Sabbath, they couldn't even have it tended to until the next day? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine suffering through that for a whole day because of some silly rule? If anybody sprained her ankle on the Sabbath, she couldn't even pour some cold water on it to make it feel better. And then there's that famous law that a, that a woman, you know, and I don't know about men too, but it says women, dare not look into a mirror on the Sabbath lest she see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it out. That was considered work. And please understand that Jesus was not an enemy of the law. In fact, on one occasion, he said that he had come to fulfill the law and not to destroy it. But in their zeal to honor the Sabbath, these Pharisees had forgotten something. The Sabbath was made for the benefit of human beings, not the other way around. And the Pharisees had turned the Sabbath into a burden. And here's the point that we need to see today. There are people in our community who see church as a burden, not a benefit. And so we need to be very careful with the, within the body of Christ to let people see the joy and the love and the fellowship that are a part of the Christian community. We need to get the message out there that we're not looking for people to share our burden. We're here to share theirs. Being a part of the church of Christ should brighten people's lives, not subtract the joy of their lives. So the first mistake that the Pharisees made was that they honored the letter of the law, but they forgot the spirit of the law. And in so doing, they made their faith a burden. <coughs> Here's the second mistake that they made. They used religion to divide people rather than draw people together. And we may be able to appreciate their dilemma. You see, the Roman government was applying pressure on them 
to do things that would betray their faith. Things like offering a, a pinch of incense to, to Caesar, who they considered their God. And in response to that, the Pharisees felt that they had to rigidly guard themselves against this outside influence. So that's a little bit of the, the backstory there. And so we, we can sympathize with these Pharisees. But then again, they went too far. For example, whenever they went out, went shopping, they went to the grocery store, they went out on, to the outdoor market, whenever they went out in public and anywhere like that, tradition required that the Pharisees wash their entire bodies. They had to take a, a complete bath before they ate a meal. And the reason for that had nothing to do with hygiene or sanitation or anything like that. The reason they washed before they ate entire bodies was because they didn't know what manner of person they might have bumped up against in the street. Even the shadow of a Gentile could defile them, they thought. Do you see what's happening here? Their faith and their fear of others bred within them a terrible prejudice of outsiders. So can you see how difficult it was for the Pharisees to accept the idea that Jesus could be a good Jew and actually sit at the same table with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and Samaritans? Here again, we need to be very careful that we don't make that same mistake. You see, there are a lot of people in our community who somehow have the idea that they're not good enough to come inside the church. There's one little girl who said her favorite hymn was, Just as I am without one flea. We need to get the word out that we we take people fleas and all. And we dare not allow the world to see us as some kind of an exclusive community that's reserved for saints. That's not what the church is all about. The very word religion means to bind together. And that means that we are outside of the will of God if we allow our faith to put up walls around ourselves in order to keep others out. My friends, Christian faith does not put up walls. It builds bridges. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul talked about the animosity between the the Jews and the Gentiles and said, Jesus is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. My friends, we are just as blind as those Pharisees if our faith causes us to put up walls of hostility between us and anyone else. And this brings us to the final mark of the Pharisees' blindness. And that is that they cared more about their principles than they did about people. I mean, think about it. That's why it was so easy for them to, uh, to allow an innocent man to die on a cross because they cared more about their principles than they they did people. And again, we need to be very careful about this point because Jesus was not the only victim of religious or political zeal. Many people have been put to death 
in the name of religion. And at the risk of offending extremists of many religions, including our own, let it be forever established that it can never be right to kill in the name of God. Are we so blind that we cannot see that God's love is for everyone? All of God's children. Whether they are black or white or Christian or Muslim or rich or poor or gay or straight or first world or third world, red and yellow, black and white, purple polka dotted, God loves us all. And folks, our strict adherence to religious or political principle can cause us to do some stupid things and believe some stupid things. To disregard the call of God to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Now, I try my best to avoid political speech in my sermons, and I really do believe in the separation of church and state. But at the same time, I also believe that there are times when Christians need to speak truth to power, like a prophet. And some of you may think I'm overstepping my area of responsibility here, but it's time to speak the truth. And I do so humbly because I realize that I don't have all the answers. And I understand that it's not always cut and dried. And and I understand the need to cut the deficit that continues to plague our nation. But it disturbed me this week to see a governmental spokesperson say that we need to cut the free lunch programs for children at school because there's no evidence that it improves their performance as students. Really? What about if we leave it in the budget purely and simply because it makes them not hungry? I mean, after all, Matthew 25 is very clear. Not individuals, but nations. Go read it. It says nations, not people, not individual. Nations will stand before the judgment seat of God and God will separate the sheep from the goats based on how we treat the least of these in our society. Because when we as a nation, not individuals, help those who need to be helped, we are helping Christ Himself. Come. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. And I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, an immigrant, a refugee, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison, and you took care of me. And we will say, Lord, when we do that, I don't remember that. When did we see you in, in these conditions and minister to you? And Christ said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And then he goes on and says, when you did not do it to the least of these, you were turning your back on me. 
And so he will say, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Stan Mooneyham, the former president of World Vision, gives one of the, I don't know if I ought to call it the worst or the best example of how a person can use religion as a means to keep from caring about others. He said that a a pious clergyman once wrote him a letter in which he posed the following question. He said that it is an established ideal among Bible-believing Christians that children automatically go to heaven, whether they believe in Christ or not, up until the so-called age of accountability. You've heard this before? Okay. That's the age when they're able to decide for themselves whether they will commit their lives to Christ or not. And here's what the, this clergyman said to Mooneyham. He said, Our humanitarian concern motivates us to raise money to feed the starving children of impoverished countries all over the world so that they can grow up and cross that age of accountability. In other words, get old enough to make that decision. And he says, This carries the risk that these children might grow up and then die and go to hell because they don't believe. He said, have we really helped them? This completely serious clergyman asked, have we really helped them if we keep a hungry child alive and therefore increase the risk that they'll go to hell? Really? Mooneyham asked whether the man's attitude would be different if it was his kids. My friends, I want, I want you to be warned this day that Satan, the evil one, often masquerades as an angel of light. And sometimes Christians can act very holy and still be agents of evil. Christian faith can be prostituted to excuse all kinds of indifference to human need. And it is impossible to exaggerate how far that man's views are from the heart of Christ. But it is true that it is possible to be fanatically devoted to the Christian religion and to be totally blind to the will of God. That's the message for today. Christ came into this world to save people. People. Everything else is secondary. Christ came into this world so that we may see the greatness of God's love for you, and for me, and for every other person on this globe. The Pharisees asked, are we blind too? And the answer is, you betcha. If you can't see that the whole purpose of religion is to connect people with God and with one another, then you're blind. The Pharisees lived by the letter of the law, but they were blind to the spirit of the law. They used religion to divide people rather than to bring people together. And and they cared more about their principles than they cared about people.
they were just as blind as that beggar on the side of the road was before Jesus got a hold to him. And so the question today is, how about you? Are you among this, the visually impaired this morning? Particularly when it comes to God's love for all people, everyone, including the ones you don't like? If that's the case, then why don't you let Jesus heal your eyes today? Amen. Here's an idea. Why don't we turn our eyes upon Jesus? Praise the Lord together with one voice.